All right, we're almost filling out. I wanna be able to introduce our next panel, um, a successful podcast, creating and maintaining a successful podcast. By a show of hands, anybody here an avid podcaster or listener? Like, I like how you both went up. So you're kind of in that room where I'm in. I love podcasts so much that I feel like I have one in my head. I listen to them a lot. I start to develop my, the dialogue, the way I'm talking about things. I really feel like podcasts have become a, a, a mainstay in just the, the content that I consume. Um, on that note, got to shout out our Driven Society podcast, Driven Minds. It's available on iTunes and all platforms. Um, a, amazing, amazing body of work. We're a couple of seasons in. I really, really recommend you check it out. Um, and we're open to getting new people on board, so we might be able to get you on. Reach out to us through the socials, drivensociety.com. That being said, I'd like to bring up our next moderator, Major. He is a dancer, talent, model, content creator. So please, warm round of applause for Major. Hello, 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 everybody. How's everyone doing today? Okay, okay, okay. So, yes, I am a dancer, actor, model, all that stuff. Anyway, um, <laughs> short story. So when I was growing up, you know, I used to ride in the car with my father, and I hated that he listened to talk radio, right? Hated it, hated it. Fast forward, I love podcasts. And here today, we are going to talk about everything podcasts, okay? So I'm about to introduce our panelists. First, we have Stephanie. <laughs> Next, we have Natalie Farfan. Come on, come on, come on, come on. <laughs> Next, we have Jonathan Mena. <laughs> Family in town? No, no, OK. <laughs> and next, we have Juan Bago. <laughs> and last but not least, we have Stephen Hobbs. So I'm going to go down the line and tell you guys a little bit about our panelists. First, we have a Stephanie. <laughs> you might recognize her from the podcast Bag Ladies, right? Microphone checker? No? Okay. We talk about baggage, about like, hey, let us help you, help us help you with your baggage. And we talk about it because it's heavy and we got to let it go because we should. So, yeah. <laughs> right? Word. Next, we have Natalie, who is a community reviver, creator, brand builder, and storyteller. Hello. Hi. <laughs> and Bruja. He missed out that part. But, yes, I'm also yes. Bruja. <laughs> I identify as one, um, and Murado Lens really was created as a freeform podcast to talk about Latinas, Afro-Latinas, indigenous women that get forgotten very often, um, and sex culture and spirituality. Nice, nice, nice. And next, uh, Jonathan Mena, who is a content creator and producer as well. Do you want to say hello? Hello. <laughs> um, I wear many hats for the Loudspeakers Network. We're a podcast network based out of New York. We have The Read, Brilliant Idiots, Friend Zone, a bunch of other ones. Um, thanks for coming. <laughs> and you, our next panelist, you might have seen all over your timeline with being featured <laughs> in videos of like BuzzFeed and Me Too. He is also a podcaster and he uh, co-hosts the podcast Latinos Out Loud. Yes, uh, so Latinos Out Loud <laughs> is a weekly podcast that um, we get together and we judge the best uh, Latino soft porn around the world. So we get together. <laughs> Uh, it's growing, um, but no, that's my other one. Uh, no, Latinos Out Loud is a podcast that's a comedic one, um, and it's me, uh, Frank Nibs, who is in the uh, audience, uh, Jamie Ferns, Fernandez, and then uh, Rachel Strauss Muniz, who just had her second baby. And I'm shouting out because they're probably live streaming. She's watching me right now. Um, and we uh, interview uh, Latinos or politicians, um, journalists, actors, directors uh, in every uh, sort of walk of life. Nice, 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 nice. 
And we have the founder of Revolver and the vice president of Univision Communications, Steven. Oh, is it on? Is this thing Hello? on? Hello. Hey, guys. Uh, I'm, uh, I was a, uh, a podcaster with Univision starting in, in 2006. Uh, I was on the revenue side and, and, and realized that traditional media and ratings were, you know, our currency was falling apart. You know, when PPM came into the marketplace, you saw Spanish language listening drop dramatically, and there were really no alternative audio sources for us to, to rely on. So starting there, I uh, was at Univision for 14 years, launched Revolve in uh, 2016, and we were purchased and acquired uh, August of last year. So now I've, I run the, the business at Univision. Nice. So I guess we're just going to jump right into it. Okay, so this goes to anyone who wants to answer this question. How does one start a podcast? <laughs> yes. Two important, two important things, I think, is a great idea and then a strategy. Mm. So you can have a great idea without a strategy, it won't go anywhere. Exactly. And you can have a great strategy with a shitty idea, it won't go anywhere. Mm. But if you have both, I think if you marry them efficiently and with time and planning, I think that and it's, it's possible for anyone to create. So when I first started... Um, the Bag Ladies podcast, the first thing we did was like, okay, let's figure out how much time we have, right? You know, there are so many different podcasts and there, there are so many different styles. So like, you don't got to like do what everybody else is doing. You could do whatever you want. So my co-host, she's in law school, so I, she's not here in the audience. Uh, and she don't got time. She, she's trying to be a lawyer or whatnot. And that takes time. So what we did is like, yo, we could commit to 30 minutes a week. We could commit to recording. We could commit to producing. We could commit to that. So we decided 30 minutes, we're going to talk about this, this, and this. So find something that works for you and whatever you like talking about. I like talking about baggage. I like talking about like, how can we feel better about that? So it's kind of like, whatever you want to do, just make sure that, you know, what works for you is what's going to keep you running for the long run. <coughs> Uh, for me, my biggest thing is you should have fun if you're doing it. Um, this is a new medium. It's only 14 years old. Um, I don't think we're even anywhere close to where it's going to be. So my, my biggest thing is to have fun, be organized, and have a great concept. I don't think – I don't really like when people pitch me stuff like they're the, you know, X, Y, and Z of this or that. Like I like new concepts. So that's that's my biggest thing. I'll just uh, piggyback and say consistency, because a lot of times people have the fever that they want to start a podcast, um, and they'll do it for maybe a month, a month and a half, and they'll stop, and then they try to start again. And it's really difficult when you're trying to do a podcast and you want your audience to grow. Um, so I think consistency and be committed and uh, have a sense of accountability that you want to continue doing it, and you will be rewarded with it. And I think for from my standpoint, our, our initial... You know, our first big hit, if you will, was um, subject matter about getting people out of prison who have been wrongfully convicted through DNA evidence. And, you know, being somebody who's, I've never really served on a jury, I had no really knowledge about, um, you know, uh, either forced confessions or junk, you know, junk, junk science or bite mark evidence, you know, and it was really becoming, you know, you, you, the pocket, I didn't find the podcast, the podcast kind of found me. And, and that's really where it started with the, the story, you know, and, and each individual story about, you know, spending 28 years in jails for something they didn't do. Well, as someone who loves podcasts, I guess my next question is, what does your process look like? Like, how do you prepare for each individual show? Is it like, do you go in being like, well, we're just going to wing it today? Or do you have like, a, so like, you know, I mean, obviously, there's many different topics that each one of you guys will discuss. But what does your process look like? So first, you know, you get up in the morning, you got some breakfast in you. Uh, no, but more seriously, uh, first thing we do is we prep a document, or like what do we want to talk about, what is our format? So someone, uh, we switch every week, like, hey, I want to talk about this in the news, and I want to talk about this specific topic. So we're able to read it, understand it throughout the week. But when we actually physically record, we talk a little bit, we got to get juiced up. We can't just be like, okay, so um, 45 got us messed up this week, and I don't, so we start to talk a little bit about like, hey, how you doing? Like, you good? Um, what did you eat? And then, like, so our voices get used to being on a microphone and listening to ourselves. And then once we're like, okay, so let's start this. Hey, we're the bag ladies. So just prepping and then uh, juicing up before you go, and then you go. I like juicing up, too. That's awesome. I mean, I think it's about getting excited about the topic that you're going to tackle. But for us, from Murado Lens, um, we're very organized. So Google Docs and Google Calendars. And they have not paid me for saying that, but 
There it is. I use them all day long to stay organized. And, you know, outreach and the angle that we want to go, the themes for that month. Um, but how we do it, actually, people don't know that, is that we lock in Saturday and Sunday every month. And we do, we bang out our three to six um, episodes that weekend. And then we have moving forward. So that helps us stay on top of our consistency part, like Juan Bago said. But also, you know, one half of us is not here, Cindy, um, and she is a full-time worker, nine to five in an office. I can't expect her to have the weekdays, and then I have my four-year-old son who I tend to very often. So weekends, in essence, has become our podcast commitment, and we've been very consistent with doing Sundays. And sometimes a little wine helps, sometimes not, but you get prepared, you get happy with it, yeah. So I've worked on both of these sides. Um, Shows that want to do no show prep, which is infuriating. And then shows that want to have meetings about meetings, which is also infuriating. Um, it's just all about finding a nice balance for it, uh, seeing what works. Some people like that chaos. I personally don't, don't. I like to prep. I like to organize Google Docs, all that stuff, calendars. Um, I also don't like the meetings about meetings, too. But it's all about finding a nice balance and, you know, having a good team so that everything can kind of fire on all cylinders. At least that's how I like it. For us, it's sort of a, like a controlled madness in the sense that we all do improv, but we definitely don't want to have a three-hour podcast. So we try to keep things as far as like a list of stuff that we're going to talk about. Um, we always have a guest. So with guests, we have to do our homework and make sure that we're prepared. Um, but I think it's, since we're all friends, we're just bantering about the week. If I have beef with Rachel, I'll wait to the podcast and let it out. And it's, it's, it's natural that way. And the, uh, the audience loves it. So I think it's therapy in some ways that we hold on to and we let it, uh, we air it out for the audience to hear. But I think it's no matter how much you're improv or you're in comedy, you do have to have structure and your talking points. So it's, it's kind of a, a thing where you can stay within that time frame that your audience is used to. Yeah, and, and structure for us helps really, uh, from a from a cost efficiency standpoint, being able to bring in exonerees or or you know or or, or doing our live shows in Sing Sing or, or federal correction facilities, making sure we've got seasons planned out for 12 episodes with 12 influencers uh, ahead of time, so there's no surprises, so costs don't don't go up. So moral of the story is be <laughs> organized and consistent. Okay. <laughs> so I think that we can all agree that, you know, the diversity within the Latinx community really lives and breathes in the digital space. Um, also, like in social media and, and platforms like that. How important is it to diversify the subject matter you discuss on your podcast or just diversity in general? Um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, you can. Um, for Murata Lens, you know, diversity is everything. And the diversity of the woman, the nuance of the Afro-Latina, the Latina, the indigenous woman, um, the African-American woman, I think that plays a big role on who we call out. But on the other side, we are always looking for allies. And that means that white woman, that's our ally. Um, and not just an ally, but a co-conspirator, right? So she's here to speak that language and stand up for us when it's needed. Um, so diversity is key. And we actually curate our talent because of their diversity of not just race, but culture, and more importantly, diversity of thought, which I think is missing in content. Um, and it's not appreciated when put out there by Latinos and Latinas. So diversity is everything, actually. Did anybody else want to chime in? Or uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think our, our podcast takes pride that we're giving individuals that may have not been on a podcast or have been interviewed and they're doing amazing things. So I think that we definitely uh, are very specific in getting individuals that we know are on the come up or are doing amazing things and we need to showcase it. So I think it's very, very important. You know, a lot of times our podcast will get the, the big names. If they have a movie coming out, we look at it as something where we need to bring light to people that are doing great things. I think about season one for, for Wrongful Conviction where Raymond Santana who was a uh, was episode number two and Raymond's story was part of the Central Park Five and uh, as, as when they brought him into question um, they brought his he was 14 years old and the adult that they brought with him was abuela she didn't speak any English so you had two detectives that worked this kid over and got him to confess in front of a woman who didn't speak the language in the, of the room that he was being charged in um, so that there's a diversity part that we 
there's a spotlight we have to show because there are some inadequacies. You know, there, there are some, um, you know, in, in the legal space, there are issues that, you know, language is, is, is not a benefit. It's a, it's a detriment. And for uh, when we think about diversity um, as being like, you know, a dark skinned Latino, uh, Latinx women, uh, like a black Dominican, you know, sometimes I'm in the space and I'm usually like the only dark skinned Latinx person. And I'm just like, hey, I speak Spanish too. My parents from the capital is cool. Um, so like I'm always, you know, I'm always the type of person to be like, hey, this is cool. We should invite these people too. And I think sometimes when it comes to opportunities, as also me being queer, I always tell people like, hey, like, you know what? Who's, who's really great? You should listen to all these other podcasts too and like build that community within each other because like, yeah, you could listen to me talk about like baggage, but like what happened if you're into gaming and you want to hear like somebody else talk about it? Hey, look at this podcast. They cool too. Check them out. So, diversity and building that community within each other, and like making sure that you're spreading that opportunity out. Because if somebody asks me, "Hey, can you speak about black trans women?" I'll be like, "Hey, how about a black trans woman could talk to you about how to support them? You know what I mean? Or support her? Like, you know?" So it's kind of like having knowing kind of like a roster of people so you could share that out. So I, I think it was really interesting that, um, Natalie, that you brought up allyship and, you know, bringing in um, allies to your podcast or your audience in general. I guess my question is, like, how do you bridge the gap for people who don't have any clue about the Latinx community? Or if you do decide to uh, talk about a subject matter that is really geared towards Latinos, like, how do you bridge that gap to your listeners? Um, that's a good question. But a lot of the people that we are reaching out to are people that, in, in essence, are interested in what we're talking about. And when we do, you know, our, our checkpoint, which is what we say, which is like, are they truly allies or just want to take our community of people of color for their benefit? You know, and there is a fine line between the two. And I've been a victim of that other side enough to now know that not every white person or every white man, every white woman that says they're there for the cause is truly there for the cause. Um, that being said, Latinos and Latinas that are creating content are poor, and we shouldn't be. We should be making the most money at this point, and we're not. Why? Because there's not enough allies that are at the top that have these positions of power, mostly old white men, right? And they don't really show back that love, but they want to take your content and rape you for it. So I say that to say this. Give people that say they're there to help a chance, but do your work and a research to really understand if they are really the players or the allies you want to build with. So there is, there's a full scan of who they are, and most of them reach out to us, so we're fortunate enough to have that. And, and also understand who, what, what your true audience is. You know, make sure that you're real about your numbers, what your potential for brand extensions are, and what, you know, you, how, how much engagement you're truly driving. I mean, there's the ability that I'm going to reach 5 or 10 million people one day with a podcast is probably not realistic if it's not built in, in a tiered approach with paid, owned, or, uh, you know, or created media. You know, you've got to have real, real expectations and then a, a benchmark where you're going to be in six months or three months to, to know that you're growing, at least not from an audience standpoint, but from a, from a story standpoint. Wow. How important is social media? Like, in, in building your audience and getting more listeners, what tools do you guys use to broaden your, uh, your audience? Networking, going to events, talking to people, talking to your friends. Your friends are, like, your biggest fans. Like, they will support you. They will tell somebody else. Like, I had one of my friends go to networking, take my business cards. I was like, well, look, she funny. She got natural hair. Check her out. She cool. And, you know, <laughs> and, like, you know, she got so many people interested. I was like, okay, thanks, girl. So, like, um, being able to build that community. And with social media, I think uh, my social media, like, my own personal social media is like 100 people, but in my podcast, uh, social media is so much more. Um, but being honest, I'm just like, hey, y'all, I had breakfast, and I didn't like it, y'all. Not feeling it. And then people just, yeah, me too. And building that realness, just like being yourself. And like people just want to see you. They don't want to see the make-believe you or what they think you are. They just want to see you, not every day, but they want to see you show a tweet. Like, oh my God, what you thought about this? That was cool too. So just being real on social media and just being yourself. 
Um, with us, I mean, yeah, we we definitely are engaged on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Um, I think it's important because they give you feedback. You know, they're listening to you on a consistent basis. They can tell if you're falling off or you're getting better, and they'll let you know. So I think it's very important to engage with them to get that honest feedback to make the product better. Um, and so sometimes we do contests. Sometimes we do, you know, just some talking points. But I think it's very important to engage because there are people that are actually talking about you using the hashtags, hashtags. So um, it's something that you do have to do consistently and build it because they will reward you in the end as far as giving you that feedback that's so important. Uh, for us, for loudspeakers, social media is a testing ground. Like we found a lot of talent through social media. Taxstone, one of our biggest podcasts, uh, came from social media. And he was able to translate what he was doing on Twitter to the podcast. Um, doesn't happen for everyone, but for us, at least for me, like I'm always looking for talent on Instagram, uh, you know, every, everywhere, social media-wise. I will say social media has been our best friend through the process. Um, and of course, physical networking, people forget like the old school physical network, like show up, even if it's for five minutes, shake hands with the right people. It, believe me when I tell you opportunities come out of that, but um, social media in particular, Instagram has been our best friend. And to Juan Bago's point, like there's, you know, this virtual connection with your audience and they're very honest when they love it, when they hate it. And I think all about everything about that experience is needed for podcasters. Um, and also, I would say be, be as authentic as you can and be real and talk about that through some video content as well because it helps people realize that you're not just this fake person behind a microphone. There's, like, truth and, and authentic um, vibes there. So it does help. And, yeah, Instagram has been great. I mean, you guys have mentioned engagement, like, with your listeners and, and you know, the people who listen to your podcast. So how do you navigate negative comments? Yeah, I mean, that's a real thing, Gently. right? <laughs> right? Especially influencers who may be uh, touchy about, you know, if they're talking too close to the mic or they're clearing their voice. I mean, launching Wrongful, the, the first month of reviews, we, we, had, we had to use as constructive criticism to make the show better because we weren't going to survive if we didn't. Anybody else want to? Yeah, that's, that's kind of hard because I'm, <laughs> I'm very sensitive. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean, we know uh, we're comedy. So um, uh, recently we have, uh, we have a segment that's fake news, and we had somebody that really took it personal. She thought it was real, and it was like, no, it's not. Right. But it's kind of like you kind of have to dig a little bit and find out where it's coming from because, like anything, you can have positive feedback, which is just sugarcoating, and it's nothing of value, and then you have the negative it's just personal. Maybe somebody that wanted to start a podcast never could do it, so they vent on you. Um, so you kind of have to navigate where it's coming from and to really get that nugget of true information and not take it personal or block them. Is your blocking strong? He's like, it's pretty strong blocking. Block. So how you find me on LinkedIn, yo? <laughs> Oh, that's so true right there. We have blocked people, but it has been pure hate, you know? And honestly, our biggest, uh, I guess, outlash or negative has been around any politician, women that we've included. And then we have, like, these misogynist Trump voters coming on and being angry at the cause and at the woman. And Alexandra Ocasio was one of our latest ones where we got a, just a shitload of, like, bad comments and negativity, and it was mostly from men. It wasn't even women, which is, was ironic, because I don't even know you guys listen to our podcast, right? Like, these guys from middle America, um, and we block them. We actually, I do, I take it one step further. I spam them and then put, tell Instagram that it's hate speech. So I actually go all the way. I'm very petty like that when it comes to hate. You're, you're very dedicated, <laughs> so, very dedicated. Putting some hate, and it doesn't come from a place of honesty and truth, because I'm okay with you being like, that was a whack podcast. Fine, I'll take it. It hurt my feelings. But when you're coming from a place of hate and you're not, you know, you're trying to oppress the woman, then I'm gonna take it the step further and let, you know, Mark Zuckerberg know, like, dude, this guy's gotta go, you know? But <laughs> agree. You definitely have to see whether this is like feedback that you're like, okay, like, you know, maybe it's great if y'all don't like over talk each other. Maybe like y'all should like, oh, is it cool we talk about this? But if people are just hating, then like it really like you can't really convince somebody to be like, you know, I want rights. Nah, I don't know. That that's not a good look for you. Like you can't talk to people about like things that are just basic. Like you can't have a conversation then like you gotta block them. I just pretend they don't exist. I'm like, oh yeah, we got a comment the other day, but mm, anywho, and just keep it moving. <laughs> 
So the conversations that you guys have on your podcast, does it spark like dinnertime uh, conversations with your own families? Have you challenged your friends and families about topics that you guys have talked when, about? When Kyrie said the earth was flat on road trip and we knew we had a business model. You know, we, we cha- <laughs> when hearing a, an, an NBA star saying that the earth was flat on one of our shows was something we, you know, for, especially for an African-American show when we're a Latino network and having a uh, celebrity that make, made a profound statement that kind of changed the way sports influencers are, are looked at, you know, in terms of creating their own content. <laughs> well, I mean, there was one time that I experienced when I went to Dominican Republic and I was talking about the epidemic of uh, donias using wheelchairs to get first class treatment. <laughs> <clears throat> and that sparked some talk. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, we are normal people that talk about family members. We have to use code names. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, there's been times. But again, I think it's about how if it's lighthearted, it's not like you're using them in vain as far as negative, you know, negativity and making fun of them. But if it's a, you know, everyone has a, a brother or a, a, a crazy cousin or something that, you know, but if you do it in a light tone, I don't think... Um, you're gonna get like cut off from the Christmas card list, you know? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I think about um, on Bag Ladies, we do talk a lot about things that like colorism, we talk about like hate speech, we talk about like uh, homophobia, and you know, like, you know, I can't say that I don't have family members that, you know, be like, oh, but this and this. And you know, I think at first, you know, I think most of my family, I think my mom doesn't know what a podcast is, so she'd be like, I'll be listening, but I don't know what it is. I'll be like, all right, that's cool. <laughs> Thanks, mom. Um, so I think it's just having an honest conversation because I think I had a lot of family members just like, hmm. So I found out that you were queer. I just don't know what that is, right? If we could just break it down and we're able to have a conversation, because they're just like, I, I honestly don't have no idea. Like, I don't know what I was saying was offensive. And like, I think it's a good conversation starter for like people in your life to be like, oh my God, like, you were sad I was late for brunch? I'm so sorry. I didn't know that I made it late, da-da-da, you know, and having those conversations I think is good. Has it ever, have you ever, like, lost a friend or? Oh, I, I have Trump people in my family that when, when they know, you know, when I work with Jorge Ramos or, you know, the the ignorance factor and, and the, you know, being okay with ripping people away from their families at the border, I, I can't condone it, you know, and I, I don't really care if it were related, but the ability that, you know, the, not the hate speech so much, but the the guilt or innocence. You know, like Amanda Knox or any of these stories that a lot of us have heard. There's there's opinions they have without any facts or any really research they've done. It's just what they've heard or they've read, and it's it's just a reflection of, of ignorance in most respects. Okay. Anybody else? No. Um, my wife doesn't listen to my podcast. Aww. <laughs> She's uh, at least she's honest. I like that. I'm like, I like that. I hate when people yeah. are like, yo, yo, your podcast is good. Yeah. So what happened last week? Uh, nah, it's n- not yet. Sorry, yeah, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's in my queue. Yeah. I'm about to listen to. She told me. She's like, I don't. Whatever. Subscribe. Yeah. yeah, subscribe. Just subscribe, rate, and comment, even and if I, it's a fake. I, I'll take it one step further. Having a wife that went through 62 weeks of no paycheck building a podcast company, you know, she would get her friends, the you know, the little moms group, and they would sit and listen to Wrongful, and you. You know, being an audience that's 72% female, you know, they, it was a book club, but it was about a story that they could then, you know, listen to and actually be empowered to either write or connect or, you know, be involved in some way. So what equipment do you need to start a podcast, huh? Because for the regular, schmegular person, how do you embark on this journey? And how do you also negotiate um, listening platforms like... Um, uh, like SoundCloud and like iTunes, like all this type of stuff. Like, how do you get in the door? Create once, publish everywhere. Okay. You know, and and really don't. Uh, media for a very long time was about well, this is exclusive to us, and this is and that hurt us. That hurt the consumer. You know, this is about how do I get it up and out across everything. You know, as, as a Univision-owned company, I want to be. We, we have a radio division, but we want to be on Spotify. We want to be on Pandora. We want to be. We want to be everywhere because the content speaks for itself, as opposed to you know, wanting to own or control. I'll take it one step further, because Hobbs has a professional studio somewhere in New York City. But for those that don't have the option to have a professional studio, in H6. I had a break, Just, in, I had a break into that studio and, and, for, and bring my <laughs> wife's kitchen table and, and with two microphones that they had to give me it. 
Um, but just for, you know, someone that's really trying to start from the bottom and doesn't have Univision or corporate dollars, an H6, I think it's a great investment. It, you could travel with it. Um, so anyone that's starting one, I think that's the best way to go. I wouldn't use your iPhone one or your phone because the audio doesn't really come out crisp at the end. And audio is everything you have, right? Because it's a podcast. So H6 is great, great investment. I have a big mixer at home as well that we got per our audio engineer's suggestion. And it's great, but I wouldn't say that's where you start. You know, and that's a thousand dollar worth of equipment that honestly we use probably less these days than the H6 because we're on the road. The biggest tip I can tell you if you're going to record on your own with, with you know, if you're using either uh, devices that you're not used to in your closet, you know, the closet will basically, it, it'll blanket you so that you don't have an echo uh, and the clothes will, will act as a, a dampener. Also, YouTube's your friend. Yeah, and just go on there. I learned so much using YouTube, um, you know, from everything, from mics to the H6 is really great. Mm -hmm. I, I have two of those. Yeah, that's what we use. Um, we're in the Univision office, so we use the Univision you stuff. You saw that first table. The, the, the <laughs> that first table was, <laughs> we nice. it was like the last then, supper. Yeah. It was like last a long supper. table like for like 14 chairs. But um, no, uh, I think that like what they were saying, I think sometimes when you're starting up, work within your means because you don't want to spend all that money because sometimes if, like I said, certain people just do a podcast for six weeks and then you just spend all that money. I think first build the consistency and then invest in yourself. For when I uh, completely, uh, yep, everyone's on the table. Like one thing I will say that when we first started, we just bought mics for 20 bucks and we're just like, okay, and we use our computers, right? $20 mics, exactly. It works. You hear me? Um, and <laughs> Shout out to the $20 mics. $20 mics. Got a big like, base over here. It was like 20 bucks. Um, we used programs that were free. I used Audacity and I used GarageBand because it was on my computer. And I was like, there you go. I did my little edit. And it got to a point the $20 mics was acting funny. They wanted to be part of the show, too. <laughs> so, you know, I was like, you know, and I remember that day that me and my um, co-host, Lena, she was like, so what are we trying to do? And I was like, we got to go to Best Buy. And we went to Best Buy. We talked to the guy like, look, we got no money. What should we get, sir? And um, <laughs> he let us know. He like, yo, invest in a Yeti. A Yeti was 100 bucks, But... Before, we did this podcast for like seven months before we got a Yeti. So we was just like, you know, we had a little money in the bank. Somebody donated 50 bucks to us once. We're like, okay, all we got to pay is... 150, that's fine. We're good. Um, but start off easy, you know. Use what you have. You already have the tools. Like, I know, like, the, the iPhone uh, recording might not sound the clearest, but if you close your window, put up some art in your room so, like, the noise doesn't bounce, put a towel underneath the, the door, studio for free. <laughs> wow. I'm going to have to start renting out space. So how do you guys keep challenging yourself to make it fresh and new for yourself and for your audience that listens to you? Don't all jump at once. I mean, the world's chaos right now. I mean, we, there needs to be positive voices, and there needs to be things that shine on accomplishments outside of what we see in traditional news and, and, and reporting. I mean, there are, whether it's, you know, female empowerment for entrepreneurship or getting behind things that, you know, we, we just launched the, uh, I mean, to my knowledge at Univision, the first Latino LGBT show, and, and it's in, in Espanol, and Noticias wrote it. I mean, and if you would have told me a couple years ago that Univision would promote or, or create an original programming based on LGBT content, I, I probably would say they wouldn't. But that you have to now because that's the reality of, of the marketplace. Well, I mean, as a big fan of the Bodega Boys and Two Dope Queens, I think for us as a group, collectively, our backgrounds has been sketch, filmmaking, and stuff. I think we want to go to a, a, a even a larger medium, stay with the podcast, but I think we consistently are challenging ourselves um, to have better guests, bigger platform, bigger audience, everything. So I think it's for us, it's constantly as artists to, to grow and challenge ourselves in that aspect of it. Um, I think for us, one of our mission goals for this year and for the following year is podcasting is very male-dominated, mm -hmm. extremely male-dominated. So I know for me and for some of my coworkers at Loudspeakers, focusing more on producing shows by women and having women also produce the shows. Hello. Um, so, you know, that, that's um, I kind of had to take a little break. But um, my next show is, is hosted by women and produced by women, logos by women, music by women. Um, and it just, you know, it was a goal that I had. Because, uh, you know, I'm 
I'm a father. I have a daughter, my wife, my mom. So, you know. Your wife listens to those podcasts, I'm sure. They're all women. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I get inspired by so much, but I will say I, I consume a lot of the podcasts in the Latino space. Latinos Out Loud are one of our faves. Juan Bago's been a homie for so long. Um, and really, all my Latinos, when I go to Washington Heights, when I go to the hood in Jersey where I'm from, I go to these, I love to eat. I know, you're like, yeah, right, bitch. You're like the skinny one. But like, I do love to eat. And one of my things, like, I go to restaurants, yo chismeo, with the ladies. I talk, and I love strip clubs, women clubs. I go talk to them, too. Um, I go to communities around women, one of them called La Brujas Club, which I founded and I host every month in the Lower East side, women from all over come I've never met, and their stories are truly inspirational, and they make you be, um, have a perspective on the woman, um, and it's not just, you know, here, right? So going outside of your networks is a great way to get inspired, you know? And I'll just say real quickly, um, I think to get new stuff, I listen to a lot of the people, I just listen to a lot of podcasting. So like, I listen to all the people that I really, really enjoy. Like, I love Queer Walk, I love Inner Hole Rising, I love T and Cream and J, hey boo. Um, <laughs> and I, I listen to their content, I'm just like, what is it that I like about them so much? What, what makes me come back every week? And I'm just like, yo, I love the fact how they broke this down. I love the fact that they have a theme song. I love the fact that they were reading letters. Like, oh, this is nice. Like, what is a way that we can make this bag lady-ish? Okay, like we could do this so just building that community and just like listening to people that you like because you coming back for a reason so like what is it now i'm not saying like you know copy people but take back what's that initial like that you like from them and and put it into your show all right show notes in espanol <coughs> all right so now we're gonna open it up for questions from the audience don't all jump at once no yeah um yeah Think we have mics? No. Oh. Over here. Oh, we got. Oh, okay. They on the side. Okay. Got to stand up. <laughs> hey, what's going on, guys? Uh, I think it was a great um, a session when you guys had it right now. It was very informative. Um, I have two questions. I have a million questions, but I'm just gonna keep it to two. Uh, my first question is: When you first get like that, you know, that start. That you, right now, I got that energy of just starting podcasts, but I don't want to stick to just one thing. I just started doing a sports podcast for the New York Giants. I just covered the New York Giants as much as I can as a fan. But I also want to work on other things. Um, I think w in terms of that, w what, what should you do? Should you just Can you just do many different podcasts at the same time or just stick to one thing and just make it work, that one thing work? That's my first question. I'll say because I'm currently working at a podcast company um, called Pineapple Street Media, and I definitely, first thing is get the first idea down. Get that consistency, get that schedule. And once you feel comfortable, like after a couple of months, you'll be like, all right, I, I kind of got this. Figure out how to create the other one. But don't just start off like recording. Start your outline. Who do you want to get? Things like that. I say, I know people are like, oh, you can multitask. But... Nah, like I don't think a lot of people can multitask. So I say focus on one thing and then create others. I, I completely agree with you. And yeah, we're all multitaskers, but to be great at the podcasting world, you have to find your own voice first. And it takes you to focus on that one big theme. But also I would say don't block yourself out to just the New York Giants. Maybe just make it a sports podcast. Do only the New York Giants first, but then that gives you breath for other sports teams later, and you don't have to create a whole new podcast as well. Unless the next podcast is like sex, right, and not sports. And has nothing to do with sports. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, at least not not football. Got it. Got well, it. it depends on the Giants because if the Giants go on four, I don't think you're going to no, 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 no. That's not true. Trade, That's trade. not true. Even if it's even if they do bad or good, people still want to listen. I think if they do bad, people want to listen even more. They want to vent yeah. with, with you. Yes, of course. That's a shade, right? I, I would suggest to focus on this one because you're going to make mistakes. Mm. So you're going to learn from those mistakes, and you're not going to do them for the next one. Uh, then my next question is just, like, what are the goals that I should set as a new, just starting up as a podcast? Um, I love doing it. I've done already three episodes, you know what I'm saying? I don't care if nobody has listened to it yet. I, I'm still enjoying it. I'm having fun doing it. But what should be my realistic goals? What should I be like, okay, I should stop because this is not going nowhere, or hey, something's going on. You know, some people are actually paying attention. I, just to give you guys a little background, I just started off, you know, two years ago doing Instagram videos, so doing, like, uh, reviews of the games and stuff like that. And I got a lot of feedback off of it, um, you know, some positive, some negative. Um, and then, you know, I stopped 
I stopped um, last year just because I was dealing with personal issues, health issues, and stuff like that. Came back, and now I'm doing a podcast. But now I'm just like, you know, when should I, like, when is it too much? When is it that I'm just like, okay, I'm, I'm not going anywhere. I should just, you know, stop it. I'll tell you, don't stop. Don't stop, won't stop, don't. Um, just because uh, I think you're, you're going to start off small. I remember at one point, we're just like, okay, we want enough people that could fill a classroom. It was 20. We're like, all right, we good with 20. That's, I could be a teacher in there, right? And then from there, we started going on. So I think just committing yourself to putting deadlines, like, hey, by this month, I want to hit 60 people, and then 80, and then 100, and then so forth and so forth. Like, don't feel like, just because people won't listen, if your content is good, everyone's giving you really good feedback, it means it's good. So people want to listen to it. So I say just don't stop. I was going to say, you haven't even really started, so don't even think of that, but create end goals for yourself, goals that you know, and benchmarks, so like by this date, I'll have this many episodes. Also, don't do, I, I made this mistake in the beginning, we're like, let's do as much content because everyone wants to hear it. It's like, no, give them quality over quantity, and I think that that being said, maybe don't make it a weekly, maybe make it a bi-monthly podcast so that you don't feel that you're overwhelmed by it in the beginning and then grow it out later, um, but yeah, just one step at a time. Thank you. You're welcome. I think we have another question. Hi. Thanks, you guys, so much for sharing this free information. Um, it's always nice to hear the plugs talk for the low. My name is Brittany, and I'm interested in starting a podcast surrounded by women and hip-hop. And I wanted to know... Um, what are some mistakes that you learned from early on when starting your podcast? Mm. So many. Am I talking too, close to the, <laughs> talking too close to the microphone? I mean, it's one of the <laughs> things that you... And, and the, the listeners will... Your reviews will give you a guidance on what you're doing well and what you're not. And, and a lot of times it's fundamentals. Um, releasing consistently on Monday mornings or Thursday afternoons. It's just kind of finding that rhythm with, with your audience. They're going to tell you... They're going to they're gonna, they're gonna hold you to a standard that... You know, they'll they'll either let you know what you're doing well or what you're doing wrong. I agree with uh, talking too close to the mic could be an issue <laughs> that we started doing that when we first started. Um, yeah, I think it's just consistency. I think I, I feel like um, answering Mr. Giants over here. Um, I think that if you're gonna work on it, it's consistency, like making your personal deadlines. You know. One night, um, I did a podcast with uh, Jamie, who's on the podcast as well, called Translators. And one of the issues was is that <clears throat> we were never consistent releasing it on time. One week was Tuesday. One week was Thursday. One week is a Monday. So I think that if you can create that foundation and know what you can do as far as every Tuesday, 8 o'clock, then you don't have to push it as much because people are already programmed. So I think that is one of the key things is consistency because it's like crack. I, I say it like with our audience at times, if we don't release it on time or if we take a couple of weeks off, they, they get upset. So if in the beginning where you have an audience is building, you really need to be consistent. And I think that is the goal for you. From the back end, as far as making sure that you allow time to edit it, all that stuff that might give you delays, I think that is the number one thing for me in my experience. Uh, for me, is understanding the landscape of podcasting. I think sometimes when you're creating one, you're just so focused on it, but you don't understand, like, what's going on in Spotify, SoundCloud, and then you start making mistakes by having it on just one platform. I like my podcast everywhere. Like, I'll, I put them on YouTube. Um, there's a mixed cloud in the UK. Like, I have them everywhere. So that's that would be my advice to you. I was going to say one mistake we made was that we first launched on Apple Podcasts because it was the easiest thing and it's free. Um, and then we have a lot of people with Android letting us know they couldn't hear Apple podcast and that completely didn't even register because we're we all had apples at the time so have them in, in platforms where the Android and the Apple user can easily tune in and I'll just say uh, I think being worried about what you're saying I think that was a mistake I was definitely worried about like how I sounded on, on a microphone like I got an accent I'll be mispronouncing words. But uh, once I got over that, like thinking like, oh my God, like maybe I have to sound like this. I just came out with my, myself. And I think having that confidence is going to take you a long way. 
My question is about ads. Hi, my name is Nidea. Nice to meet you all. You're great. So thank you. Um, I saw you prior. Uh, we were in a green room. We saw you had I, an I awesome question. You. I actually met yes. you before, like you know, because I listen to your podcast. Yeah. Oh, thank so I you. Feel special. I'm blushing right we now. Also you can't tell the video. You know, whatever. Okay. But so my question is about advertising. I am an avid listener of podcasts, and I want to talk about specifically the read. I don't care if the read makes the ad sound sexy. I am going to skip over those ads. But I want to talk about placement and getting the brands. Do the brands come to you, or do you, like, put yourself out there and get brands and also as far as like doing the surveys i'm talking about the read because i remember when they were like hey can you guys do this stupid survey so we can like make money off yeah that's where you gotta you know? ask them for more money i mean when they're asking you to do the, the above and beyond then you're tacking on a price to right so like in terms of that do you guys ask your audience to get surveys and do you reach out to sponsors or do you wait for them to come to you and then you ask your consumers to do the survey so you can make a price list we do both yeah, I was going to say, that's why I was mentioning show notes earlier. Uh, we just closed a piece of business last week with LaCroix, uh, and they want to know what that Spanish language consumer looks like in podcasting. And, you know, there are, there, there, there's not a display angle that we can do, or, you know, so we integrate into the show notes. And so we got, you know, there's a, a sweeps component where you can enter to win, but we still have the starting point of, of getting an understanding of what these the audience look like. And then, you know, if, you, if you're asking about where to find the podcasting revenue, it's at five agencies. I mean, it's ad results. It's a veritone. It's a performance bridge. The New York shops, they're not there yet. You know, they're terrestrial mindset, but your ad results is $90 million in brands. I mean, everything you hear from Blue Apron to, uh, you know, NetSuite is coming out of these podcast-only shops, and there's only five of them. And if you don't want any ads and you feel like your community is big enough at this point, there's Patreon.com, which in essence allows you to not have any advertisers, but that means your community has to fund it, kind of like PBS. So that's just another option. Not everyone has to go down like the typical network, though that does help um, because in essence, they are your foot soldiers to sell. But I say you still do outreach. People are like, how'd you get Rosaria Dawson? It wasn't for money, but we DM'd her. And we're like, hey, we're about this. Can we interview you? And she was like, sure. I was like, do we have to contact your agent? She's like, no, I like it, let's do it. And it was that easy. So I'm using her as an example for like, maybe you do have to reach out to Shea Moisture or to Dove and be like, hey, by the way, this is what I look like. These are my numbers. This is my media kit. Very important media kit is very important. Google it, make it work for yourself. Whether you have an agent or not, you should have your own media kit for your own company or brand, in this case, podcast. Hello, my name is Daffodil, and I'm one half of the, po the podcast called Puff Puff Give. She's over here, the other half, Misha. Um, I wanted to know, in terms of trademarking your name and, like, you know, your handles and things like that, what steps would you, or what things would you suggest we do? Protect your IP. I mean, at all costs. You know, protect your IP, which you want, from your social media handles to, I would, I would trademark and copyright everything. Okay, so go about it the legal way you're talking about. Hundred percent, yeah. Because even if you're working with it, any network that <laughs> wants you to, any network that wants to aggregate your content on them, they want to own your IP. Run, you know, the, the you, you've got the your ability or your value is is owning that logo, that those social media handles. Keep those for yourself. Don't let anybody else, you know, take access or have access to them. Okay. How long have you been publishing? Um, we've. Would you say? Publishing. No, it's been long. You guys need a, a second yeah. real quick? They're <laughs> <laughs> like four. We've um, actually did our first podcast in January, and so we've just been putting it on SoundCloud. Um, we just recently got on iTunes and Google Play, and uh, it was like a few other um, hand, uh, you know, companies as that, well. That's great you're thinking like that. Um, I've worked on podcasts that they're doing phenomenal numbers, and mm -hmm. there's no contracts between anyone. You know, there's also other other networks. There's no contracts with some of their big shows. Right. So now, you know, when someone comes with with that bag, it's like there's no contracts. It's so the wild, we, wild yeah. west out there and on the yeah. podcasting world, which is more reason for you to trademark your stuff, create merch with your stuff, sell that stuff and through it all, update your media kit. And sometimes you have to be your own agent and your own believer. And sometimes you have to go and sell yourself in person through DM. Um, I'm a stalker. So, like, I'm going to get my money regardless. So if you're not responding to me, that I'm going to send you an email. I'm going to make a meeting happen where I'm there. But don't be 
don't feel like there's a sense of shame to sell. Um, be your best seller. Um, in my case, Sonia is kind of my right hand. So if anyone needs help with, with podcasting, she's up in the front. But, um, but yes, be your, be your, your best salesperson. Okay. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yes, next question. Hey. Um, awesome, awesome conversation. I gained so much insight from it. Um, I wanted to kind of go back onto the revenue conversation. Um, first, I'm seeing a lot of like branded podcasting happening. So I believe Spotify, for example, just like launched one this week. My question is like in terms of like doing a branded contact a branded podcast, so like literally like that's ideas only with this one brand. Can you talk a little bit about that, if that's something that you guys have considered or thought about? And then furthermore, what does the negotiations look like, right? Because on the, I'll, I'll say that, I guess maybe to Steven on your end, like with a large scale company, like what what's happening once that media kit has been sent, the, the meeting has been booked, like, what does that look like? And then also, too, as content creators on your end, like, how do you prep for that? Also, like, how do you know it's a true partnership? And I know, Natalia, you um, you touched on that a little bit, but on both ends, like, negotiation, what does that look like for each of you? I mean, for, from coming from a, a startup environment that we built out of, you know, two offices in Dallas and New Jersey to, um, you know, 108 million people a month with 24 divisions, it, it's in a video centric company, it's, it's squeaky wheel, you know, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. And I, I make, you know, I, one of the things having worked at Univision for 14, 14 years before in the sales capacity, you know where the bodies are buried. So you know who the person at Noticia is that can help you develop this program or sports, not every seller and not every person in a traditional company is going to support you. A lot of them don't listen to the podcast and they don't know, they don't have an idea of what, um, you know, what cereal is done in terms of that, that halo effect for brands. It, it, but you've got to keep telling your story. And I make sure whether it's programming or news or sales, I'm always presenting. And I'm always telling them about something that's new and this is coming. And it's about, it's, it, it's, a, um, it's, it's a theater of the mind. You know, you're telling them something that you're, you're describing and you want them to buy it, you know, but mm -hmm. you've got to be loud and you've got to be, you know, you've got to be in their face because if not, people do what, what's easy. And what's easy is traditional media. You know, they can take a spot order. Going out and selling Ted in Espanol, it's a little more difficult, you know, but you, mm -hmm. so you've got to be loud and you've got to have the research and the data to back it up. Okay. And, I, and I'll just say, uh, if working with a brand, if you're afraid to lose it, then probably don't do it. Um, I think, like, for example, if somebody asked me to do a show about video games, I'm like, yeah, sure, yeah, I could keep that. Um, that's fine. Like, I like video games, but it's cool. Um, but for my bag ladies, I'm just like, oh, no, I want that to be under us. I always want that to be under us. So always ask yourself, like, if someone takes this, like, hey, we want to go with different hosts or we want to change the format, we actually want to do this direction, you have to ask, so like, am I okay with losing this and moving on? But if not, then you have to figure out how that's going to work with another company or another, like, brand. Mm -hmm. Okay. Thank you. Do we have any more questions? Oh. We're a little cut on time. Sorry, guys. That's good. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry about that, guys. But you do have time now for the reception, and we can all mix and mingle. But we just got to break this room down. So a round of applause for our amazing moderator. Thank you. Check, 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 check.